what meditation does to long-term meditators. And they found that the insula and lateral parts of the, of, the, of the frontal lobe that normally thin with aging are spared the thinning, highly correlated with the degree to which you meditate lifelong. And when people do meditative practices, it looks like you get more stability in choosing what you focus on because that system becomes more stable and more flexible. We've heard it time and time again. Meditation is good for you. Meditation is healthy for you. Meditation is amazing for your brain. Do you ever wonder why scientists talk about this so much? We're talking to Dr. Andrew Hill, one of the top neuroscientists in the world right now, and he tells us exactly why meditation is fantastic for your brain. Let's hop into it. What is meditation doing to us that's so beneficial for our minds? It's doing a bunch of things. Um, there are several circuits specifically, and most of them are in the frontal areas that are involved with executive function, i.e. choosing what you focus on and how you use your attention, that are focused on body awareness, that are focused on sense of self, that are focused on value and judgment. And meditation and mindfulness will change those circuits over time. So the biggest change, some of the first change that was seen is in dorsolateral areas of the brain, so the frontal areas and the sides. And these areas will thin with age, normal aging, not, not, not illness or pathology, just normal aging will thin down by you know, 20% or something as you hit your 70s and 80s. And that produces with it a loss of body awareness and a bunch of other things, self-control a little bit, some concentration stuff. It's an aging thing. Not a big deal, but not necessarily ideal either. And uh, there's some initial work done by um, a scientist named Lazar. I think she started when she was a grad student with these papers. She was wonderful papers ever since uh, coming out of her lab, um, looking at what meditation does to long-term meditators. And they found that the insula and lateral parts of the, of, the, of the frontal lobe that normally thin with aging are spared the thinning. The age-related cortical thinning is completely spared perfectly correlated, not perfectly, but highly correlated with um, the degree to which you meditate lifelong. It's a okay. dose-dependent sparing, if you will. So much of the literature seems to suggest that around 20 minutes a day will actually have you sidestep completely the ravages of cortical thinning, which from the point of view of raw neuroscience is actually the number one resource we, you, you might care about, i.e. speed of processing. The one thing that changes a lot with age is speed of processing, the memory access, word finding, and short-term memory, and a bunch of stuff is bound to it. So really, really useful to meditate for 20 minutes a day. And that's the, the broad stuff, the lateral frontal areas. There's also been some research more recently by other scientists whose name escapes me, where you end up getting sort of an activation, a stabilization of the switching system and that anterior cingulate in the front middle. And that really decides what's important to pay attention to. So you know, a QEG, if that area is overactive, I see it uh, in nail biting and OCD and songs really stuck in your head and it's the switching system, you know, the, the valuation of what's capturing your attention. Mm -hmm. And when people uh, do meditative practices across different practices, it looks like you get more stability in choosing what you focus on because that system becomes more stable and more flexible. It'll turn on and off better. There's been some other research more recently I've read that shows that the underside, the um, ventral medial prefrontal cortex starts to change as well uh, later on not right away but after some time after some weeks and months of meditation there seems to be the shift the activation that you get during meditation goes from dorsomedial front midline to ventromedial pushed uh, on underside midline of the, of the frontal lobe and the explanation i read is that this is essentially your brain moving from eye centric self value-driven to selfless, the I is not part of the equation of value and, and, per and perceiving what's happening around you. 
So it's the almost, it's, it's that experience we hear about classically in meditation of being, you know, not necessarily anchored in, in, within the moment, but still being very present without, you know, almost like being the space between your thoughts, you know, you aren't, aren't anchored into any one moment. And it's that piece of it. And that piece comes along with all the other slightly more esoteric concepts that I think are quite useful for modern living, like equanimity, you know, being okay with how things are, not being mm-hmm. okay with suffering, but not adding more suffering to it because, you know, the person cuts you off or because, you know, you stub your toe, whatever. It's that second dart, you have voluntary control over reacting to with more suffering to existing suffering. You can't control pain, but you can control your response to it. And that's what this is. As you meditate, you move more and more and more from a self-centric reactivity and controlling the environment as it relates to you specifically in the moment of time to a mode that is much more diffuse, high level above it all and not self-centric. And that, of course, tracks with what classic uh, writing would say about meditation benefits too. So um, there's some things, and it also changes your, your perception of time and a bunch of other, you know, other very subtle things and broad things and sleep and aging and, you know, things you've already mentioned about gamma connectivity. So it's doing a great deal. Again, these are phenomena. The brain is not necessarily something we deeply understand. Mm-hmm. We understand deeply a million different little things about it. And we have a really hard time, once we're deep into any one of those things, consolidating all the models into an actual coherent idea of how some of the brain's really, truly working. Like we don't even know our memories are stored still, really. Wow. We have like 17 different candidates for how memories are formed. <laughs> and they're probably all a little bit true. And memory is not probably stored in one particular place, by the way. It's probably a holographic, uh, it's like an algorithm, like a mathematical formula that rings like a song throughout the brain in multiple places and can be, can re, can be reconstructed from any place where the mathematical signature is evident, like a hologram. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's some very strange things happening. We don't know what they are. And so we're all blind men and elephants here. And anyone who tells you they have, that they know what the truth is about the brain, you should be very cautious. Um, people that provide you information and help you understand things and give you access, you should like us because that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm biased, but I think this is a phenomenological space you can engage with and get benefits out of versus sacred cows. There's, there's no sacred cows in neuroscience. It's just information and data. What's a good basic uh, meditation that you would recommend for people that want to get started or people that come into to your lab? I really like to have people do a basic five minute sort of uh, a stabilization of focus and then followed by a 15 minute or, or even shorter present time awareness. So I do, if you use classic language, it'd be five minutes of Samatha and 15 minutes of Vipassana. If you use modern language, five minutes of concentration practice followed by 15 minutes of insight practice. If you use neutral sort of scientific language or you know, psychological language, I would say it's five minutes of single point awareness followed by 15 minutes of present time awareness. And I have a little tutorial on the Peak Brain Institute website. You can go and see how we teach new meditation. But if this 20 minute practice sounds like a lot, just cut it in half. But the idea is to do a few minutes of stabilization focus and concentrate and, and pack your attention down to very narrow, little tiny focus. And this will stabilize things and settle things. And then once it's settled, you can then move to a more awareness practice where you're planting your, your experience, plant your feet in the stream of your mind letting things flow by without being pulled along by them. So I really like this class. It's a very, very classic way. I mean, I, this has probably been taught, you know, since before we know, but I really like this classic way of teaching a, a concentration practice and then an insight practice or a single point into present time. And I find the stabilization and then awareness you get from this leaves you very, very uh, um, resilient. And I, and people ask when to do it. I encourage you to do it in the morning. If you have half an hour or 20 minutes do it in the morning, if you have an hour, well, you can do it in the morning and the evening. And then the joke is, if you don't have an hour, well, then you must meditate two hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's the old tale, uh, right? 
Right. I mean, I mean, seriously, though, 20 minutes, people say balk at that. And I understand that it sounds like a lot. You can do 10 minutes, cut it in half to two and a half minutes, and then, you know, seven and a half. The thing is that people don't really realize you haven't done much meditation. Well, first of all, it's not that hard to do, even though it's kind of boring. But two, once you do a little bit of it for a week or two, the 10 or 20 minutes you put in in the morning, you'll, you'll get back multiple times throughout the yeah. day through more efficient and less reactive life. Yes. Like, I don't, I don't just mean like you'll be better quality. You'll literally gain those minutes back because you'll waste less time, you'll procrastinate, you'll stress less, you'll be, it's unbelievable how more, how more efficient your life can become. If you dial an executive function before you step out the door, yeah. you know, have to handle lots of things changing that would normally throw you off. You know, so. Yeah, I agree more. I've been meditating for five years or so in every morning. And, and when I don't meditate on those days, I can definitely tell a difference. Like, uh oh, I've, I've, I've missed something. And I think, oh my God, I forgot mm. my meditation today. So you guys, are you meditating? If not, it's the thing to do, especially if you want a high performing brain. If you like what you're hearing and want to make sure you don't miss any of these high performance tips, please subscribe, leave us a review and share with your friends. See you on the next episode.